Hello and welcome back to Drive the, the Drive the Lane podcast for League 31. Uh, we're back here doing PNTT coverage. I'm your host with the most and the rump roast, Coach Jimmy Neutron of the Rochester Boy Geniuses. What's up, Nerd Nation? Uh, I've got rejoining me, Coach uh, Jay. Well, you're Coach just JB on this, right, Jesse? I guess but I'm Jesse. Good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of La- the Las Vegas uh, mediocre guys. And then we have uh, Coach Future Star, also known. I just found out his name was Steve. So I might call him Steve, Future Star, Coach, whatever you want, uh, of the, uh, I know this, the Rockford Files. Is that right? That's right. Of the Rockford Files, the number one team in PR right now. How are you doing, Coach? All right. How's everything? Good, good. Uh, We were just talking about this. Um, we were wondering when you were going to change your name from future star to present star. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not going to happen anytime soon, especially after last year, because now we're just going to be constantly on the prowl for, for more talent. So it's, it's, it's a never ending quest. I it really man, You missed your window to be present star. That was uh, that was when your one one class was around all that time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it, it was a good <laughs> run. And I, I tried to enjoy it as much as I can. But now we're kind of back to the grind. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Poor guy, replaced the one one class with an eleven fifteen class. I don't know. I don't know what I would do if I were you. I might just quit DTL. You know. Um, I will say too. I don't, this is this is pretty aesthetically pleasing. Uh, you look. I'm looking just at your recruiting page, coach. Yeah. And your the uh, sim hoops uh, rankings for your freshman, sophomore, and juniors all came in at eleven. Yeah, Ooh. I did. So that's yeah, pretty yeah, fun. I did notice. I did notice that. So yeah, that was kind of an interesting little twist. Yeah, yeah. So you graduate these twenty-four, these bums, your twenty-four forty-three class in the senior class. Uh, you pull in like the eleven. 11 what 19 class and that's going to be pretty great right yeah yeah i mean our, our lineup is going to be a little interesting to to kind of figure out because i think we've got like five shooting guards on uh, on the roster so it's not going to be as simple yeah. as it was before but we'll, we'll just have to mix and match and see how it goes i guess we're sure. you know you know we were a fan of the the ones you know it's nice to have the one one class it'd have been nice to pull in another <laughs> one instead of another 11 but you know we'll sure take what we can get i guess yep yep that's a great point <laughs> all right well let's go ahead and jump in so we're going to on this pad- podcast, we're going to talk about the Borgia and the Holmes groups. Um, so Terrence Borgia, the, the headliner here, from uh, the graduate from Frankfurt. And then we'll, we're talking about Peter F. Holmes uh, from Miami in our, uh, our second group today. But we're going to jump in to the uh, Borgia group. So this group consists of Frankfurt, Plainview, Phoenix, and uh, Montpelier. Uh, so Frank, uh, I, I know I say Montpelier different every time, but we're going to ignore that. Uh, so Frankfurt is our number one seed in this Group coached by a coach Ted Lasso or El Nino, you pick your poison. Uh, they graduated the seventy nine eighty four class uh, and brought in the one thirty one forty six class, which you would be like, oh, that's a bummer. They lost quite a bit there, but uh, because he has three other pretty good classes, uh, it just seems like they lost just like a little bit of depth. But they finished the year last year ranked twenty fifth, uh, and then come into the year twenty eighth. So let's start with uh, you, Steve. What do you see? with the uh, Frankfurt Fighting Owls? Um, yeah, they lost a couple uh, decent uh, senior players. They lost Terrence Borgia, who was uh, not their leading scorer, but their most efficient scorer. Um, he was probably their senior leader and a good backup uh, backup center or small forward, Austin Roney, who had real good uh, per 30-minute numbers. Um, so that's led their two small forwards. But they pick up a, a couple decent freshmen here in uh, – Dominic McGee, also 6'7", and uh, Evan Johnson, who looks like a pretty decent scorer. Um, and they're a perennial NTT team. So, um, you know, last season their offense was pretty good. They handled the ball really well. Um, 
their D was just okay, I thought. Um, so maybe they could improve on that this year. But they had some pretty good point guards. And they returned mm-hmm. uh, a really good freshman from last year, Raymond Bowens, um, you know, a six-seven shooting guard who scored 20 points a game. Um, depending on how their lineup is uh, uh, made up this year, you know, he might have some versatility, could possibly move to small forward. And they also have uh, Daniel James returning at center, who's uh, a really good scorer at center, which isn't always easy to find. So I think this mm-hmm. is a team that's going to be real tough in this group. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Jesse, do you think that – so I'm looking at, you know, probably the two main guys that are going to fill in at that uh, small forward position are probably as freshmen that he bring in, either Dominic McGee or Evan Johnson. Uh, just looking, you know, McGee scored 19 points a game, 2.4 assists, whereas Johnson scored 14 a game and 4.7 assists and was just slightly more efficient. Which, if you're uh, – you know, Phil here and you're or Ted Lasso here and you're you're picking up po- your poison. Who are you throwing into that starting spot? So, you know, last year's point guard was only scoring about 10 points a game. That was Eric Leatherman. And uh, and he had eight assists per game. So they, they've got they've got a way to spread the ball around already. I, I, I mm-hmm. really liked Leatherman. Every time I've done a game recap or looked at anything that uh, Frankfurt did, you know, after the fact, rather than trying to preview it. Whenever I look at them after the fact, Eric Leatherman is just a playmaker. He's just all over the court mm-hmm. down the stretch of games, um, getting steals, hitting free throws. He just He's such a good impact player. I don't think they need to worry about putting an impact player in a small forward. I think they can take Borgia, who was, a, who was a talent coming in and kind of faded over his four years. I think they can mm-hmm. take a guy like Evan Johnson, who's better at distributing the rock and just playing solid defense. Um, they're going to be able to ride Raymond Bowens and Daniel James and then let Eric Leatherman do make some freaky plays every now and again. They don't need to. They don't need a star at small forward. They just need someone to participate. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, Johnson was my choice, uh, so I was wondering what you would pick there. Just because you know he he definitely has better hands. He had almost double the amount of assists uh, and a fewer turnovers. And then he also gets one point seven steals. Yes, McGee's one point three. So it, it really depends on team chemistry and who fits in there better. But uh, I would have leaned Evan Johnson. Uh, as if I were coaching Frankfurt. Yeah, I, I actually um, thought maybe even uh, Bowens could move to small forward. You know, he's 6'7", right. um, and, he, right. you know, he could be kind of a matchup nightmare at small forward I mean, I know, with his offense. Play, yeah, I bet he could play four positions. I mean, I, we can't put Raymond Bowens in a box, right? Right. You really can't. <laughs> yeah, it's it'll be interesting. Um, I was looking at their schedule, and uh, their schedule is, you know, kind of tough out, out of group, but the, the one thing I'll be looking at is – game three against memphis memphis has uh reigning player of the year kevin fitchner so he's been <laughs> playing small forward and so whoever they inserted small forward that's gonna be a good test for them yeah that's a great point yep i love that uh and, and it'll be interesting because uh memphis is probably the team most impacted by the new patch coming in which limits the one-man show uh and they do play Memphis before that patch goes into effect next, next Saturday. Uh, you, so you maybe out, you know, one key point I was going to make later. So yeah, yeah. you beat oh, me to the yeah. punch. <laughs> oh man. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll true, start with it. Um, but more to yeah. come. I just wanted to tease. No, it, no, know. that's about <laughs> it. That, you, you pretty much got all of it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, Hey, great minds, yeah. right? Or media, <laughs> mediocre exactly. minds, I guess, exactly. whatever. Yeah. All right, let's jump to the next team. So we have the Plainview Butt Sniffers, of course, by of course, coached by uh, Coach Butt Sniffer. Uh, so they graduated the 16-3 class, uh, which was headlined by uh, Ethan Shepard, just a really, really great player. Also graduated their point guard. 
Uh, and then they bring in the 37-23 class, so still a pretty good class. Uh, they finish the year 21st, and then, then they come into the year ranked 4th, which I believe they actually came into the year ranked 4th overall last year, too, uh, and then faltered a little bit in the, um, in the PNTT uh, before regaining their footing in the regular season. Uh, so let's start with Jesse here. Jesse, what do you see with this? Yeah, team? so they didn't have a lot of size last year, and that was part of their problem. They were kind of getting dominated at a couple of positions when it came to actual production and points output. And I feel like that's going to be again their problem. You know, they graduated a six nine guy, and the tallest recruit they got was six seven. So they're again conceding size, conceding some post presence. Um, can guys like Brian Larson make up the difference on the perimeter? It, it doesn't feel like they're that dominant type. You know, we just stopped talking about Raymond Bowens. Um, that's the kind of player that's going to be in this group scoring all over the place. And, and, and I don't know. Plainview has depth. They have some talent, but they lack size. And I really don't think they have a stand-up guy who can deliver, um, you know, when, when there's defense actually all over the court. Yeah, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was kind of had the same opinion. Um, you know, the, the, the Ethan Shepard is a big loss at center. I mean, he, right. I, I was like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he played center the entire time or if maybe he played power forward at some point, but, um, he, he kind of did everything at center. And now, like Jesse said, you're talking about, you know, maybe a six, nine guy like Michael Davis moving to center, which would necessitate. You know, somebody maybe six seven at power forward, or if you bring in Nathan Sheen off the bench from mm-hmm. uh, to play center or power forward, now your backup center is going to be no taller than six seven, and your backup power forward is probably no taller than six five. So it's definitely an issue. Um, they do bring in a new freshman, Andrew White, who looks like mm-hmm. a pretty well-rounded guy, a guy who you know in a pinch probably could play power forward, and that might help with the roster composition, but, um, you know, they do have, like Jesse said, they do have a lot of talent. They were in the elite eight last year, lots of offense, lots of scoring depth. Everyone's pretty efficient, but that size is, is, is going to be an issue. Yeah, I would agree. It would be, it'll be interesting to see because Nathan Sheen was a pretty uh, good scorer in high school. He scored 22 points a game uh, playing small forward at six ten, uh, And so I'm, I'm surprised he's actually been uh, just playing on the bench Every year except for his sophomore year, he got the start. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see if they slot him at the center position and then keep Michael Davis at the power forward, or if they move Davis to the center position and then put White at the uh, power forward position. Because even though he's 6'7", right. White did get 3.6 offensive rebounds per game uh, in high school. And so sometimes that's harder to translate into college just because you're playing sometimes other 6'7 or 6'6 centers. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if he he goes small there because I do think Roman Jackson probably slots into his his point guard position. The freshman they're bringing in scored 16 points a game and uh, 5.7 assists and 1.7 steals. Although he did have 3.3 turnovers, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Yeah, position I think as well. uh, when I was looking at the recruits last night that they pulled in, I actually thought Aiden Jackson might be a better point guard uh, prospect than him. He was playing way out of position as a six four hmm. center. Um, you know, he could possibly yeah. be a, a good distributor at uh, at point guard if, if, if yeah. they decide to move him there. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't even considered him because uh, I was just looking <laughs> at points. But. Um, yeah, they do have a lot yeah. of, of good scoring depth. You know, they had some guys that were on the bench last year, like um, Brady, Lagan, Brady Lahung and Caleb Laguerre, who um, were <laughs> were pretty good scorers in high school and maybe with, a, you know, some more opportunity could – 
could um, you know, contribute some more offense. And like you mentioned, uh, Nathan Sheen, you know, see if they take the reins off of him a little bit. You know, even on a per 30 basis, he was only shooting about six or seven times a game. If he can return to the right. his high school form, he could he could provide some offense down low. Right. Yeah, it's interesting because he played uh, his sophomore season. He ended up starting, but they still split the time uh, at center for him. So he didn't play 22 minutes a game and they got seven point six shots up per game. And so. I, it's not like they're losing tons of. Well, they are losing tons of scoring at Ethan Shepard, I guess. But um, yeah, I don't. So, yeah, I don't yeah, think the offense going to be their issue. I think it's just more going to be height, and then I don't think and so their schedule is also really yeah. tough. They're, they're out, of, out, of, out of out of yeah, really they tough yeah. Their non bracket games might be one of the toughest set of non bracket games that anyone sees in this tournament. Right, right. Erie, Erie, clear. Yeah, that's nasty. Beach. Yeah, so if they yeah, make it, yeah. if they make Especially it through, I mean, they're definitely going to be battle tested by the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this will give us another. I, I'm worried that Plainview is going to do the same thing where they uh, really scr- struggle in the PNTT and then figure it out as the year goes on um, in Conference 26. But I don't know. We'll see. Let's go ahead and jump over to Phoenix. So the Phoenix Ottawa Traders, coached by Coach J. Paul 80, uh, they lose the 136-133 class, bringing the 115-97 class. And they moved from finishing last year as the 140th ranked team uh, to the 157th ranked team to begin the year. Uh, so we'll start with uh, you, Steve. What do you see? Um, well, yeah, they didn't lose too much. They lost no starters um, and only graduated a couple of guys who didn't really score off the bench. Um, looking at their new freshmen, so the one guy I really paid close attention to is Trevor Plowman. Um, he was a guy that's actually on my list um, that I was keeping tabs on. Um, it was actually a great recruiting job by – by Phoenix to grab mm-hmm. him because another pl- uh, another coach actually had a clear lead at the reveal and he was able to Ooh. catch up, get into a one one, nice. uh, and win that tie. And went and he actually held a big preference advantage. The team, I think, the guy was like non local and the leader was in conference, I believe. So this was a real good job Not for great. this uh, coach to spot him and and, and pull him out. Um, and he's a really good player, does everything well. He's got size, um, so I think he's going to be a real impact guy for them. Um, last season, um, they were, you know, they were decent on offense, but they really struggled, uh, defensively and, uh, playing, uh, you know, and, and rebounding. It looked like they played a lot of ugly games, it, it appears, because there was a lot mm-hmm. of free throws being shot, a lot of fouls. Um, they do have, do have some offense. I think in their front court, um, they might lack some athleticism. So it's going to be interesting to see how they fit Plowman in and, and, and what yeah. impact he has. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, their power forward and center were averaging together six point two fouls per game, which is, which is rough, rough. Yeah, yeah. Where do you, Jesse? Where do you see Trevor Plowman fitting into this uh, team? Because I think he deserves to start, but I'm not a hundred percent sure where. So he's got the size to play the two or the three, and and it's a weird yeah. ma- lineup on this team because you know they want to keep their passing point guard in there, who was really good at the job last time. Um, Amaya and Evan Amaya and Eric Spence are their current wings and both shot well last year. Maybe they end up uh, taking either Spence or Plowman and putting him in at the four um, and benching Zaya Robertson, who now that's tough because you're taking a rebound rep from a team that was already weak in the front court. But I think that's the, that's right. the best opportunity for them to put, you know, multiple good players in the starting lineup. Um, really though, I, I think whatever coach does he needs to take a look at his team's defense, though. They were a they were a sub middle of the pack record last year uh, from the strength of schedule, the record of their opponents. 
Uh, they were the number 147 ranked strength in schedule, but they gave up 54% team shooting percentage to the opponents. So right. they, they just don't play defense right now. So they might need to ignore who's good at scoring and put a couple of good defenders out there and hope the offense will find its own way. They have more problems on defense than offense. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I would say that this is a team that uh, benefits from the patch sure. that's coming up. Uh, next Saturday, because it's they did have really bounced scoring, and then they bring in a 25-point-per-game scorer and a 14.4-point-per-game scorer in Samuel Royal, even though he wasn't pretty, he wasn't very efficient, so I probably would turn down his settings. Um, so they, they were, like, fairly efficient offensively um, across the board, and that might actually help them. But defensively, yeah, they really struggle, like you said. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into uh, the last team of this group, and it's a bit of a dark horse team. Uh, I really like them, but of course I know the coach in person, but uh, so it's the, the Montpelier peepers out of conference six coached by, uh, so it says here coach also uncle Mel, but my friend, uh, Russ took over for my other friend who just couldn't do it. And so uncle Mel is my old friend. Uh, Russ is my new friend in here. And so Montpelier grads graduates the, uh, 234, 244 class brings in the 111, 94 class. And then they finished the year 88th last year on a pretty tough strength of schedule, number 10, uh, and then come into the year ranked 51st. Uh, so, Jesse, what do you see with the Montpelier? They return years? all five starters. That's nice. Uh, they had a tough strength of schedule last mm-hmm. year. So you'd like to think this is a team that might be able to build on on a good core of players. Uh, an excellent center in Kevon mm-hmm. Rose. He's 6'10", is uh, a senior this year. He scored 20 points a game last year with 10 rebounds. So you already got a double-double machine in there. Um, I, I like the team, but, boy – Geez, you look at the class ratings too. They get a, a 1929 junior class, so you got to think there's some talent in there too. I don't know what to think of a team that went 11 and 13 last year, though, right? Um, it feels like they were right. probably in a lot right. of close games, right? They actually, despite having a losing record, they had a positive margin of victory, um, 73 to 72. Mm-hmm. So they do things well. They didn't get blown out with other teams scoring. They out assisted the other teams, out rebounded. Man, it looks good, but I, I you got to tell me where to go with this one. Um, um, yeah, yeah, sure. Think, they come think, up? Yeah, I think they're, they're just they're the main issue. They played a really tough schedule and they hung in there and they made a really good run in the PTT as a 15 seed, so they performed well. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. Looking at them, their main issue is their bench. If you look at, at, at their players, their starting lineup was fine, and their bench just looked like they just got torched most nights. Um, yeah. And so losing, yep. losing a terrible class and bringing in guys who aren't really scorers but could be some role players off the bench might help if, if these guys could play a little defense or contribute some sort of role, which the previous guys probably didn't do much of at all. So, I mean, that's really where, where they need to improve. Um, if they can do that, I think they can hang tough with, with a lot of these uh, better teams, which they kind of did last year. I mean, a lot of the games were pretty close. They mm-hmm. had some pretty close losses to some decent teams. So I think um, th- this team should be much improved. Yeah, I would agree. And the issue is, is so they are in the uh, North region with me, Carnegie, and Concord right. in Conference 6. And I finished as the number seven team on the year. Concord finished as the number eight team on the year. So they already lost what, four games to us. And then I'm pretty sure they split with Carnegie. And then they lost to us and uh, Concord in the Ooh, tournament. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah they sure. had a close one. So yeah, like, they, they almost beat Concord, I think, one time. And I, and I looked and they actually played Nashville really tough in a uh, preseason game as well. 
Yeah, yeah. So I think it's it's a team that uh, is just in uh, a really tough, uh, even like subsection of the of their conference, right? Um, but I think it's a team that is going to surprise a lot of people this year. Their issue is uh, they do actually lack, lack a athleticism. Mm-hmm. Just knowing that, um, as someone who you know knows the coach and knows what uh, he's struggling with, and so I do think Seth Harvey probably helps him. I don't know if. Christian Thomas still stays as the power forward or if Seth Harvey gets to slot in there. But regardless, I think they got a lot deeper, like we said, losing to it uh, in a guys. And then, um, yeah, so it's, it's going to be an interesting team, uh, especially because they're in a pretty tough region to be yeah, honest. Um, yeah. At least they've so at, at least they oh, have the, you know, what a couple of the other teams in this group, they, they might struggle a little bit with size. Um, this team at least has the size to compete. So I think that that's a plus in their favor. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Let's go ahead and talk about overall. So let's start with uh, maybe some players to watch. Uh, so what do you, who do you guys have as, as people to watch? In this I'll take Bowens. I'll take the easy one. <laughs> Raymond Bowens at Frankfurt yeah. is going to score 20, 25 points again. I think his star is going upwards. I think he is a 25 point per game scorer this year in the league. Yeah. That was my number one guy. Also, I yeah. think depending on, you know, maybe even with a position switch, I think the guy is just ready to blow up offensively. Um, mm-hmm. The other guy would be, um, Trevor Plowman for Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix really needs, you know, a, a star player, I believe. And, and this guy could step right in. Um, he could play one of several positions. Um, he, he's a guy that, that, uh, that could, could be one of the top freshmen in this group. Yeah, I, I would agree with those. I would, I would throw on Kevon Rose. I think, I wonder if he actually moves to like a power forward position and, yeah. uh, and then they put Harvey at the, at the center. I'm not sure. And then maybe he can actually, uh, not have to worry as much about defense and even get to shoot the ball a little bit more. So, but I, I think you guys covered it. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about how we think that this uh, region is going to play out. So uh, we'll start um, with you. I uh, think Frankfurt is going to end up taking this group. I think they just have too much talent. Um, the schedule, even though, it, you know, it, it, they have a few tough games, I think the schedule favors them versus some of the other teams in the group. So I think even if they lose to Plainview, I think uh, they're still going to end up coming out on top in this group. Um, for this, and if there's a wild card spot out of here, I, I actually like Montpelier to have an outside shot at it. I like how they competed mm-hmm. against a tough competition in the past. Um, and Plainview, obviously, very talented, but that schedule could could be an issue for them. Yeah. They play a really tough schedule, so that they, they, they mm-hmm. might be struggling to to get to the next round. Yeah, yeah so you, I, I, I can't be as optimistic about Montpelier. Please prove me wrong, but Montpelier <laughs> and Phoenix look like they're just fighting uphill battles. Um, again, plain view with the schedule. I don't think they get too much traction there. I think Frankfurt comes out and they're the only one to come out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have Frankfurt here too. I think that they eat like, um, Steve said, even if they lose mm-hmm. the plain view in the last game, I think that they're going to have at least a one game, if not two game lead over plain view. Uh, cause I think plain view probably starts two and zero against Phoenix and Montpelier and then loses to Erie Clearwater and then the Huntington Beach game is a toss-up. And so if you lose uh, all three of those games, you're going to be coming in at 2-3, and three, whereas uh, Frankfurt's probably going to be sitting at either 5-0 and oh or 4-1 and one, um, with that final game, uh, deciding who's going to win the, the region. So I, I'm going to pick Frankfurt here, too. And I'll even throw a bonus on that. I think Frankfurt yep. gets towards our Final Four, even championship game for the whole tournament. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, really like I like those, it. Those players. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a really good pick. Great. Anything else to add, guys? Before we wrap this one up? No, I think I'm. I think I'm good here. 
Hello and welcome back to the PNTT podcast. We took just a quick break in between these groups. I am your host with the most, and surprisingly, in high school basketball, I played post. Uh, Coach Jimmy Neutron of the Rochester Boy Geniuses. Uh, what's up, Nerd Nation? I still have here with me Coach JKB uh, and Coach Future Star. How are you guys doing? Yo, great. Pretty good. Good, good. We're going to talk about the Peter F. Holmes group today. We remember what the F stands for. Um, <laughs> So that that group includes uh, the team uh, that that had Peter Holmes, Miami. Uh, And then we also have Billings, Syracuse and Albuquerque in here. So uh, a pretty interesting group, but I I think a little bit more of a top heavy group. But we'll get to that. And so let's go ahead and start with Miami. So they graduated the 11-5 class, uh, which had Peter Holmes in it and brought in the 148-86 class. So a little bit disappointing. Uh, they finished last year as the 11th overall team uh, and then uh, come into this year with the uh, 26th ranking. So, uh, Steve, what do you have on, here on uh, Miami? Yeah, it's going to be a tough situation for them because they lose uh, Peter Holmes, who who's pretty much like a unicorn in this league. He's a, right. he's a tall guy who he scored, he defended, he rebounded. He was probably the top shot blocker in the league. And, I'm you know, I, I don't go back to the very beginning of the league, but it had to be you know, one of the best centers that's been around in this league's history. So um, mm-hmm. losing him is, is a big blow. And they also lose their backup center just for good measure. Um, they didn't <laughs> replace the height at all. Um, their tallest returning player, uh, you know, is actually a guy that was on NA last year. And mm-hmm. um, they're only two regulars are, that played that are have any size or both six eight. So mm-hmm. that's definitely going to be an issue. The, looking at their freshman class, they didn't get any height. They're mostly passers, from what I can tell. So um, it'll be an interesting uh, way to see how they put their roster together. Um, I got to think maybe their power forward from last year, Brian Brewer, might move to center. Um, it'd be six eight. But then you have an issue of who's going to play power forward. Um, you know, it's it's just going to be kind of interesting to see how they follow up after such a big loss. Yeah, yeah. Any other thoughts on them? General thoughts, Jesse? You know, they have a decent point guard who put up 18 points a game, 55% true shooting is is decent, especially when you get an NTC, NTT schedule going in. I, I really like Mario Evans, their non-scoring small forward. Unfortunately, I think they – they need to start focusing on who's going to do the scoring this year. They can't, they can't get all excited about who's passing the ball. Yeah, Mario Evans, I was thinking maybe if they move Brewer to center, they can move him to power forward. But sure. I don't know if they can afford to do that because they really need his playmaking skills um, because right. their point guards are really not all that great distributors. So I think Mario Evans fits pretty well at that small forward spot. So um, I don't know if they're going to go you know, undersized at power forward with maybe a guy like um, – Roderick Bowman, or maybe even moving Zion McNeil to uh, play a six-six power forward position. Um, but yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting. Zion McNeil is actually a guy I was looking at that I think he was fairly highly touted coming out of high school, um, and now <clears throat> with some more shots being made available for him, um, I'm wondering if they they give him a, a little more chance to contribute to the offense. And you look at these guys, and you're right, you could shift Evans down. Maybe Zion McNeil could use those extra touches because he passes the ball well too. But then who goes in at the two? I mean, I you know they have four starters, and I guess you can look at uh, at that Joseph Polly off the bench, who's six eight, as being the fifth starter. But it's not like he does anything significant, right? Right, right. 
Yeah, that was my guess. I mean, he played center in high school and did have 2.2 blocks, 1.2 steals, yeah. and 2.3 offensive boards. So maybe he is like a a smaller power forward because but then you're even going smaller center with Brian Brewer potentially playing that that uh five spot. So Yeah, Brian Brewer I, if he moves to center, I mean, he had pretty good numbers as a power forward, but without Holmes supporting him, you know, facing tougher matchups at center, does he does he have that same sort yeah. of efficiency and the same rebounding numbers and same block numbers playing against tougher, uh, taller players? Who knows? Right. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It is really hard to tell. And I, I do think, you know, the more I look at it, I think Joseph Pauly probably moves to his, his uh, starting r- lineup. I mean, he's part of the 7-5 sophomore class. Right. And so Marcus okay. Roberts has to be – Robertson has to be at least pretty decent too. Yeah, I mean, he put up decent numbers in, in high school, the kind of numbers that uh, – the magazines do love so maybe he's part of that five, that second number but it could also be joseph Pauli, uh who put up decent numbers in in high school um mm-hmm. but yeah this is this is a really interesting team i mean star child is a good coach works through a lot of things he was not overly concerned on the boards he said he felt like he still had another uh really good year in him um but then next year he would be a lot more worried mm-hmm. uh but yeah i i don't know this is this is a uh definitely a hard one when you replace Peter Holmes with a five ten point guard. <laughs> um, yeah, things aren't looking too pretty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the schedule does favor them, though. I mean, their out of group schedule is pretty tough, but not overly tough. And I mean, and this is a talented team, so um, and they're the right. top seed for a reason. But they do have a few questions to right. answer. Yep, yep. And I will even say a team like Concord. Uh, so in in my uh, conference, so. They have historically started like six, seven, and six, eight guys. Last year, they ended up starting. They they ended up uh, having a seven foot guy start, but their their power forward kind of fluctuated uh, with a six, eight guy. And then the year before that, they literally started two, six, seven guys. So, um, or maybe that was a couple of years ago. But regardless, it, it can be done. And, and Concord's been a perennial NTT team. Um, so I think, yeah, like I said, Starchild's a good enough coach. He'll figure it out. Let's go ahead and jump to the number two seed in the uh, in the region, who I think is also the other team really vying for this uh, this playoff spot with us. So it's the coach Billings, or it's the team Billings Witherstorm with coach Will Atrillion, <laughs> uh, is is a, how I think you say that. So he loses the seventy five ninety three class and adds seventy five forty six, so a little bit more top end talent. And then they finish the year as the fifteenth ranked team last year and come in uh, as the sixty ninth ranked team. Uh, so what do you see with this team, Jesse? Boy, so we seeded them second because we took these seedings in and we looked at their power rankings after game 15 when we put out the schedules. Billings went from there and then they turned off, a, they ripped off a sweet 16 run in the NT. No, an Elite Eight run in the NT. Elite Eight, yeah. So, so we thought they were, you know, high middle of the pack-ish when we, when we ranked them. They went off and just kind of went on a tear. Um, mm-hmm. So we already know they're a little underseeded. They brought in a decent class, didn't graduate too much. Um, I say they didn't graduate too much. Matthew Floyd put up 28 points a game last year. But if you look right next to him, Riley Hansen's a 6'10 sophomore now. He was 22 points a game last year, 58% true shooting percentage. So it looks like Riley Hansen is ready to take over the mantle of being an elite top-end scorer. So, again, you losing Floyd is bad, but I really feel like they're they're not going to skip a beat too much on offense. Um they look like an NTT Sweet 16 caliber team, and they're going to be in here winning some games, I think. Uh, freshman class look good too, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think this team is is massively uh, underrated here, being ranked uh, 69th overall, 
um, to start the mm-hmm. season. I mean, this team made the Elite Eight last year, and I think they've gotten much better. Um, you know, even though mm-hmm. you do lose Matthew Floyd, like Jesse said, I think the offense is not going to be an issue. Um, they bring in a couple good uh, good players uh, in their freshman class. Zachariah Ruse is, uh, he looks like a real efficient scorer. He could easily yeah. slot in where Floyd is. And even Ethan Padilla, um, who I think has some pretty good attributes, if, if I recall correctly, um, and maybe just playing out of position at small forward. He could be a guy that really blows mm-hmm. up if you move him to a guard position. And, you know, either at point guard, um, he could be a good distributor and score, or at shooting guard if they need him. Um, and like Jesse said, Riley Hansen, I mean, this guy was scoring 22 points a game as a 6'10 small forward. I would even like to see him move to power forward, and I think he could be just mm-hmm. be one of the top power forwards in the league at that position. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do wonder if he has him at that small forward position to get more looks, uh, just because you often don't get as many touches of power power forward. But I mean, whatever he does, he he's a stud wherever he goes. I do want, I do think that Zachariah Ruse does slot into that shooting guard position. He was scoring twenty point six points per game on a fifty nine point seven true shooting percentage last year. Um, uh, not not as high as Matthew Floyd, and I will say though, they also lose defense with him. It looks like. Floyd was getting one and a half steals per game, which is pretty good at shooting guard position. And then Ruse was only getting 0.9 steals and 0.5 blocks. So uh, maybe he's a really good on-ball defender. Not really sure where his ratings are at, but he's at least going to be able to carry some of that offensive load that they that they did lose with Matthew yeah, Floyd. Yeah, and I actually think – I've seen this with some of my own players over, over the years in different teams. I've seen guys who look just kind of pedestrian and small forward um, when moved to, uh, to the, the backcourt. I mean, they just really take off. So I think both Ruse and Padilla mm-hmm. – could be guys that uh, that really look uh, like a lot different player um, if at point guard or shooting guard. I think Padilla probably uh, slots in more as a as a point guard uh, than Ruse, and and because they weren't getting much out of their previous point guards, they weren't getting much offense, they weren't getting much distribution. So um, yeah. I think uh, with Padilla right. and Ruse, you get offense, you get a little passing from Padilla. I think uh, mm-hmm. that's going to be a good backcourt for them. And look at their bench from last <laughs> year. Their highest score off their bench was two point eight points a game. They're going to have Webster and Padilla out doing that. So, I mean, it looks like they're going to get better. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, and you even then start to look at the schedule. And we can talk yeah. a little bit more about this when we uh, when we actually pick who's going to win this. But they have a much easier yeah. schedule than yeah. Miami. Yeah. Uh, so, so Miami's playing uh, Clearwater, Memphis, and Scottsdale, who are all uh, top 65 teams. And even Memphis – um has that that stud you know richter or whatever Fickner, Richter, Fick, whatever Fischner. his name is Fick, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he's, he's in my conference the heart. i know him well so uh, okay. I'm, I'm, my, my best my best change for this year is going to be the one man patch <laughs> right yeah yeah that's going to be great yeah yeah for you at least um whereas billings is playing uh yuma who again i don't think is the 194th team in the league because she's a good coach but um that's still a fairly easy game and then aurora who's 186 yeah. team uh and they do play ocala yeah yeah ocala is pretty good um, they have like the two stars but i think they're they're a little top heavy too so they you know that that's not right as tough as maybe some other games that that, that some of these other teams face exactly <laughs> yep yep that's a good point so uh it, yeah we'll talk about what we think is going to happen but definitely the schedule uh favors billings here between these two teams um i Let's go ahead and jump over to Syracuse. I would say that there's a, a little bit of a drop-off with these next two teams in Syracuse and Albuquerque. So Syracuse Friars, coached by Coach B. Frank, uh, out of Conference 5. So they graduated the 67-85 class and brought in the 108-130 class. And then they uh, finished the year last year as the 94th ranked team. Uh, missed the 
NTT for the first time in a while. Well, first time in three seasons. Um, they were winning their conference fairly easy before that. And then they start the year here at 118. Uh, so what do you see with this team? Um, yeah, it, it, they lose just an absolute ton of height. I mean, they <laughs> lose guys mm-hmm. who are 6'11", 6'10", and 7 foot. So that's going to be a big problem. Um, they bring <laughs> in one tall player, uh, a center, Sean Wilson, who is uh, going to be an important guy because so much size was lost. Um, it looks like he's not overly athletic, but he's going to add some much-needed height and rebounding. Um, but other than that, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, you're looking at um, you got one guy taller than six four in the rotation, sure. possibly. You know, you're looking at this guy Colt Bazemore is six seven, and other than that, everybody in the rotation is six four and under. So um, it's mm-hmm. you know they they really struggled on defense last year. I don't think it's going to get any better this year with no height. Um, and uh, their offense is, is, you know, it's okay, but it looks like they're just going to have to rely on maybe just bombing away from three from your, with your guards and hope that's enough. Right. Yeah. yeah I'm agree with that. They, they kind of hitch their offense on a six, three small forward. So he really has to play on the <laughs> perimeter, right? He has to kind of run away to get shots from distance when the threes hit, maybe they get close to some good teams, but uh, I don't think you can count on that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, they took quite a few threes. 36% uh, on 17 threes per game is is decent. It's at least better than that 33% mark sure. you want to see um, if you're going to take threes. Uh, but, yeah, losing 6'11", 7 foot, and 6'10", and adding 6'3", 6'4", and then 6'10", uh, Sean Wilson, who isn't a very good defender. Um, it, it's going to be rough for them. They're going to be really small. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and... and I mean, even looking at the schedule, they have a pretty tough schedule. Yeah, too, I mean, it's so. it's not like uh, the toughest in the world, but I think every team that they play, I right. think, is more talented than so than them. So I think they're going to be really up exactly. Against. Yep, yep. I I can I see the team going zero and six pretty easily in the in the PNTT, mm-hmm. um, which I, I hope that's not the case. But yeah, I think they're going to struggle without the hype. Um, okay, let's go ahead and jump over to McMyers' team. So we have the Albuquerque Atomics out of Conference Thirty Two. They graduate the 186-181 class and add the 177-175 class. Great. Uh, and then they finish. <laughs> Sorry. Wait. I said that's what an upgrade. <laughs> upgrade. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you said what. No, no. like what I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huge upgrade. Um, and then so they start. They finished last year as the 113th ranked team uh, and then come into this year as the 85th ranked team. So what do you see with this team, Jesse? Yeah, so they were already young to begin with, uh, which is fine. So they didn't lose anything important. They get, they they dish it down to Giancarlo Henneman. That's a power forward getting 26.7 points per game. Kind of one of those rare chances where you get a power forward who gets enough looks to go with. Um, he's also their best right. defender, uh, over 61% true shooting percentage. So he's just an all-around stud, and, and they're going to get him for this year and next year too. Um, around him they just sort of fill in the gaps then you, you can see sort of the talent drop off they have an okay shooting guard um morgan moore hits 19 points a game at 56 percent true shooting percentage then you drop down another level when you look at their small forward you get a six five small forward he'll be a senior so maybe he can pull something out but josh chance looks like 10 points on about 50 percent true shooting percentage so um a true point guard that had a rookie I guess I should call him a freshman. John Eskridge last year going eight eight assists, two steals. Uh, kind of a, up on the turnovers with 3.3 turnovers. 
you look back at his high school performance, that's a little more than you expect out of him. So hopefully John Eskridge dials it back. It's a little more commonplace within himself. Um, it's again, a team. I think we talked about one of the other in one of the other brackets about a team that scores a lot and gives up a lot. And that's what happened. Turkey. Mm-hmm. They kind of have guys who can score and then they don't really double back on defense. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, yeah, uh, Steve? It, it, uh, they really struggled last season. You know, they made the NTT three straight years and they dipped down to the PTT. Um, yeah, like Jesse said, I think defense is a real big problem with this team. And, you know, not too much outside shooting. Everything kind of runs through Giancarlo Henneman. Um, Morgan Moore scored 18 mm-hmm. points a game, but he looks like he's kind of a guy that finishes at the rim. He's not a guy that, 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 it has a great outside shot. Um, mm-hmm. So looking at their freshmen, a couple of these guys look like they're not really going to be contributors. Um, Mason Sharif looks like the one guy who could come in and help them. Um, he had pretty good uh, uh, efficiency on a somewhat low number mm-hmm. of shot attempts. So maybe with a bigger role, he could uh, help with their offense at, at shooting guard or small forward. Um, but yeah, they, they really struggle with defense. Ball handling by the point guards was a problem. Um, so yeah, it, it's all going to rely probably on, on what Henneman does. And sometimes, you know, having one star player is enough, you know, it's better than, than just having kind of a lot of above average depth. So maybe they win a few games here and mm-hmm. there just on him alone. But I think, you know, they, they're, they're probably a little outgunned in this group. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, and, and then they have to play the, uh, number one overall team in their schedule too, you know, um, which, I'm not sure if their coach yeah, is Yeah, you know, know but, he, he only checks uh, the boards once in a while and checks the – yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hey, in the yeah, future. Yeah, we can only hope. Right? Yeah. You can only hope. Yep. Um, so, no, I agree with you guys. I mean, this is very much a like a – Albuquerque's team is really pretty on paper. Like you look at it and you're like, oh, man, 62% true shooting for Giancarlo Henneman on 27 points per game, uh, 3.3 offensive boards. Uh, but – like they can't slow anyone down. They allowed yeah, fifty-seven percent true shooting, uh, which mm-hmm. is pretty terrible. Um, even though they outscored people, uh, and, and they did that on you know, I think they're going to get more offensive rebounds than people, and they're not going to turn the ball over as much as people. Uh, but they foul a lot too. They gave up twenty free throws per game, and so um, yeah, I agree. And then th- if those guy, if Henneman and Hunter Thomas do get in foul trouble, they're four and five. They're really small as well as kind of a theme of this group. Uh, outside of Billings, and so um, that could also sort of become a problem in their game with Billings. So let's go ahead and talk about uh, some players to watch. We we talked about a lot of guys uh, in this group, but who do you guys have uh, as guys to sort of? Um, yeah, my, my my first one is probably going to be a little bit of an off the wall pick. I, I one of the guys I thought was actually Zion McNeil from Miami. Um, you know, losing Holmes, uh, you know, they, they, they lose so much with that. They need some guys to step up. And I think Zion McNeil is a guy that if you give him a bigger opportunity, you know, there, he could be that guy to, uh, to get some bigger numbers and, mm. and, and he definitely needs to step up on offense. And then the other would be, uh, Riley mm-hmm. Hansen from Billings. I mean, this guy just looks like a stud and I think, you know, whether they leave him at small forward or move him to power forward, um, together with, with, mm-hmm. with some of the other weapons on their team, I think that could create a real dynamic offense. Yeah. yeah. When I look at Miami, I still think their, their point guard, I think Benjamin Lucas is going to have the ball in his hand the most, the most, and he's not even going to have to think about passing this year. In fact, he's going to receive more passes than he gives. I, I think 
interesting to see if McNeil becomes that 20 point per game kind of guy, but I, I just don't think Lucas will, uh, will let go of the ball at all. I think he's going to, he's going to be that guy. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, I'm looking at Zachariah Ruse and seeing if he can fit into that Matthew Floyd role um, for Billings. I think Billings is the most stable team uh, of this group and what they're returning, but they're still losing their top scorer who averaged almost 29 points a game. Uh, and so I think that there's a lot in flux in this group. And so you look at Zachariah Ruse, he's kind of like the, the Xavier McNeil or Zion McNeil uh, for Miami, where it's like, can he step into a role where they lost sure. quite a bit? Right. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's go ahead and do predictions. Uh, Jesse, you want to kick us off with what you So I'm, I'm going to kind of take the cheesy route and go with looking at the schedules. We, we know that Miami just has a really tough schedule uh, comparatively. So I think Billings mm-hmm. comes out just because they, you know, they'll be able to pump up that, that uh, margin of victory, things like that. But I still think Billings and Miami both are quality enough to, to move on. You know, there might be 6-0 and and 5-1, and or maybe one of them is 4-2 and with a really good uh, differential. So I like both of them for the playoffs, but uh, Billings to take the crown. Yeah, yeah. yeah what do you think, Steve? I think Billings wins this group. Um, they made the Elite Eight last year. They have more than enough scoring to replace Floyd. Um, their schedule is not overly tough. Um, even if they were to lose to Miami, I think they very easily could go 5-1 and one in this group. Um, and then Miami, um, you know, I don't like their front court situation, but they have a ton of talent everywhere. So, and their schedule is not too tough. So I think even if they lose to Billings, I think they could definitely uh, get one of those uh, secondary, uh, secondary uh, spots for the next round. Yeah, this, this is boring when everyone <laughs> agrees, but I'm picking Billings too. I mean, what did we talk about with the other three teams and what they're struggling with sure. is height, right? Like, what is my is Miami going to roll out to six eight guys or yeah, six eight yeah, exactly. six six guy? Uh, and and then Billings is starting three. I'm pretty sure they started Reginald Horton uh, like later in the season and not. So they made a change at the power forward position. Uh, Shane Richards is six six. They started one at the beginning of the year and, and one at the end of the year. And I'm not which I'm not sure which one was starting during the run. Yeah, it was actually Reginald NTT, Horton that started they at have, power forward uh, during their NTT run. Uh, during the, okay, so then, yeah, yeah. Like I was saying then, they're, they're starting three six ten guys um, to go with two six three guys. So they got a full house going on. Um, I mean, they have no problems yeah. in height, right? Uh, whereas everyone else is going to be really struggling in height. And so I think they're going to make it really difficult on these teams. Uh, and, and I think you guys are right that they take that game, uh, that game six over, uh, over Miami. Here. All right. So, all right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for these two groups, guys. Thanks for listening and uh, go ahead and check out our other groups uh, where we once again, act like we know what we're talking about. So we'll see you guys later.